G'day, I'm Ian Swain of Swain Destinations, and welcome to another session of G'day with Ian Swain. Today we're heading to Tanzania in Eastern Africa, into an area to the northeast edge of the Serengeti. TASA's Lodge mission statement this says it so perfectly. Employ and empower members of our local community, preserve and protect the indigenous wildlife with natural species of the region, educate global travelers on the rich natural and cultural resources Tanzania has to offer. Jim Rohn, who owns TASA since its founding in 2009, is with us today to talk about why TASA is so special. So welcome, Jim, and thanks for taking time to share some of your stories today. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So Jim, why is Tanzania so special to you? And what touched you about the place and local people? And more importantly, the name Tasa, how did that come about? So I'll, I'll try to be brief here, Ian. Um, Tanzania is special. I actually started my career in a totally different area. I was a Wall Street um, exec and we were unfortunate enough that we had a son that passed away in 1999 in a pool accident that completely changed my family's life. And we started traveling the world. And in 2007, I took my kids and my family to Tanzania and it instantly became our very favorite destination because of the people, the food, the animals, and the culture. And uh, in 2009, we um, were talked to by some locals to invest in a property. Uh, and we were silent investors, my business partner and I, until 2016, when we changed the name and took it over uh, and renamed it Tassa Lodge. And Tassa is a very unique property. And when we took it over and renamed it, we wanted to honor the people of the local village, the village of Ololoso Kwan. And we used the Maasai word, and Tassa in Maasai actually means let's go or do it which basically talks about all the different activities that we offer at TASA and the ability to off-road game drive, night drive, and I'm sure you're gonna be asking me some questions about that, but it really is about the activity and we wanted to portray that in our, in our name. Well, that's interesting. Um, I mentioned before that you're located in the eastern, northeast edge of the Serengeti. Can you go elaborate, elaborate a little bit more on the location and the conservancy that the lodge is located on? Certainly. Um, we are just on the border of the Serengeti National Park. And during your stay at TAS, we go in and out of the park. But the advantage of being on a government-owned conservancy is it enables our guests to do a lot of, of things that you can't do in the park. Off-road game driving, as I mentioned before, and night safaris. But we have to work very closely with the local Maasai village, the village of Ololosokwan, um, because they also use that land for grazing their cattle. So we are constant, um, constantly working with them to make sure that we're preserving the land, yet at the same time protecting that village and their rights. And in doing that, what we try to do is create a symbiotic relationship that is very protective of the wildlife, but yet of the culture of the Maasai village which hence is why you came up with your mission statement. I've heard there's a great story about how your general manager, Malau, became part of your team. Perhaps you could share that with us. Yeah, Malau is a, is a really unique um, story. And it starts with Malau at a very young age, um, 
always felt he wanted to be educated. He actually worked, uh, he was a Maasai gentleman from the uh, village right in Terengiri. My business partner went on safari in 2008 and was in Terengiri and Malau was a sweeper. He went up to the bar and asked if he could have some drinks for his night game drive and the bartender said, sorry sir, but the bar is currently closed. Malau overheard this, met him at the Jeep with some um, drinks and just said, I'm sorry, sir, that's not how you should be treated. The next day, my partner went and talked to him and said, what, what are your dreams in life? You're the kind of person that we would like to invest in. And he wanted to be educated and he wanted to get into this business. So in 2009, we sent him off to school. He graduated from university. He has also graduated as one of the major um, top guides in Tanzania and has really grown with this company. Um, it just goes to show this gentleman could hardly speak English 10 years ago, now runs a lodge, is our head of our guiding team, and really a great asset to us. It's a fantastic story and one that will motivate a lot more people to be more generous and caring and helping other people, I think, and particularly in this time. Um, just talk about a little bit about the lodge itself. It's a tented camp. Perhaps you can elaborate on the, the structure of the tents the, and how they fit around it in the main lodge area, et cetera, like that. Certainly. Um, it is technically, you're correct, a tented lodge. Uh, however, the tents um, are on wooden platforms and structures around the tents. The frame of the uh, tents is tented. The main lodge has a tented field, but is in fact a full structure. Um, what we tried to create is something that fits in with the nature. It is not a, um, a property where you'll notice everything groomed. It is very much set in the side of the um, valley up on a hill. And when you visit Tassa, you'll be pleasantly surprised that we have a lot of animals roaming in and about the lodge. And um, it is just a very unique um, structure in that every tent sits on its own and looks down over the whole Serengeti. So the views are magnificent. How many tents are there? We only have 12 tents. Um, so on a nightly basis, we sleep up to 24 people. And the reason that is, is that we really wanted to create this authentic environment where it was very special, where it was not um, a situation where people came and felt like they were part of a larger crowd. At TASA, we like the solitude and we like people to be able to go out and spend a day without really seeing anybody else. And you have several areas to eat meals, I assume, because I've not been there yet and I look forward to coming over there uh, as soon as possible now that Tanzania is opening its borders. Um, but perhaps you can elaborate on some of the meals that you do and the, like the bush meals, the bush dinners, bush breakfast, etc. Yeah, so when you arrive at Tassa, uh, I consider us to be one of the very few 24-hour safari destinations. And when you arrive, you will be uh, greeted by your host or hostess that will be uh, in charge of your stay and your guide and your tracker. And we try to create Tassa moments for people, which I consider to be pleasant surprises every single day. So oftentimes we'll get up early in the morning and start on safari. 
very early with coffee and cocoa, head down into the plains to watch the cats still hunting the hyenas coming back into their dens. And then we'll surprise people with a breakfast out in the bush. Our staff will have been out there since four in the morning, creating an omelet bar and all kinds of um, wonderful pastries, juices and everything. We set a table out and you sit there with the animals uh, and a fire and have your breakfast. We do the similar thing at night uh, during our night game drives. We do sundowners out in the Serengeti, um, our side of the Serengeti Park. Um, we also do dinners on top of the mountain, uh, right on the top of our mountain, I should say, that um, are authentic Maasai Boma dinners. We do sundowners up there. We also do um, in um, Maasai village visits to, <coughs> excuse me, to go visit the, uh, the Maasai village. Um, we take pride in the fact that about 70% of our staff come from that Maasai village. As you mentioned in our mission statement, we feel very strongly about empowering the people of that community. So we've taken the time to teach our staff English, educate them, and it gives them an opportunity to be employed at TASA. That's wonderful, and I've enjoyed many bush dinners and many bush breakfasts out in different parts of Africa. <clears throat> so I look forward to experiencing the omelet bar you have down there. And, and um, I'm happy that Malau will be there because I won't go off out of drink, obviously, it sounds like. <laughs> but um, the Lobo Valley, which is where you're located in, as you were mentioning, it's away from the crowds and the private access. So you could, the things you couldn't, couldn't do in, pub, in the public parks, such as night drives. Just explain what happens on a night drive and what you get to see. Yeah, you, night drives are very unique. And, and I'm sure you know this, Ian, but, you know, cats are, are nocturnal animals. They really like to sleep during the day. They don't like the heat of the day. Uh, they also see about six times greater at night. And so when you're out on an evening sunset drive that turns into a night drive, there's a greater opportunity to see the cats really active and hunting. So you see a lot of cats. You see a lot of hyenas, obviously the leopard. Um, but you also see a lot of animals that are just strictly that you will see at night. And that's the bush babies, which people come to the Lobo Valley to see. The bush baby is a cousin of the lemur um, that you find in Madagascar, very big eyes that jump around in the trees, which is a really unique sighting. Um, and then you also see serval cats. Oftentimes now we have been seeing a lot of wild dog up in the Lobo Valley, which it's famous for. And we actually, in fact, do have a den of wild dogs that live right next to Tassa that we've been spiting, spotting quite frequently lately. So what other animals will the guests normally see during the day? I know you have great, uh, the big five, et cetera, and also that you're perfectly located for the great migration. So perhaps you can explain a little bit about more of a day safari and also <coughs> when the migration is coming through, when that happens and the, the sure breadth of how many animals go through there. Certainly. Um, yeah, we're very fortunate and the migration really comes by us two times on the way up to Kenya and on the way back down. So we find that we get the migration as early as the beginning to middle of June, all the way through the end of October lately coming back. And so the uh, during the height of the migration out in our valley, in the Lobo Valley, we often see 10 to 15,000 animals congregated together, which is a sight to behold. 
Uh, and that's why we like to do our bush breakfasts out there and, um, and our um, sundowners, et cetera. But you'll always see all the um, normal game, the antelopes and the different, you know, the bush bucks. And we have a lot of those living around the lodge. Um, we have a whole group of elephant that have seemed to really like to be around Tassa so much so that um, we often have to try to keep them away. Uh, lots and lots of giraffes. And then of course, you know, Thompson gazelle and, and such throughout the plains. But the abundance of wildlife is what I really think makes Tassa very unique. And it's special, I think, year round. I enjoy, in fact, going up there in what we call our green season, January, February, and March, when the migration isn't there, because you can go for days without seeing another person. And speaking of um, the game drives, how many people do you put in a vehicle on a game drive usually? Well, we have four vehicles, each of them holding nine, um, but most people end up going either by themselves or with somebody else that they've befriended at the lodge or if they're traveling as a group. Our vehicle normally holds six. They're open game drive vehicles, but we can hold up to nine by putting seats in the middle very quickly if a family would like to travel uh, together on a game drive. How do, you, how do you handle families in the tent situation? Are there any uh, family style tents? We don't currently have a family tent, but what we do have is each of the tents can hold up to four individuals if they're kids in that we have a king size bed up on the top platform and then a pullout down below. In addition to that, we have several tents that have a walking path very in close proximity so that if the kids are a little bit older, you can have two tents that are probably 15 yards apart. Okay. What can be done apart from wildlife? I mean, obviously you go to Tanzania for the wildlife, but what else can be done around the camp uh, during the, the time you're not on a safari? So we have an infinity pool up at, around the lodge that people enjoy sitting around. Uh, we do uh, nature hikes. Oftentimes, um, one of my favorite things to do is to, in fact, go on a walking safari it's unique because you see a lot of things that you don't see when you're in a vehicle, what we call the little five, right? So you, you learn about the plants of the region, you learn about the small creatures, um, how everything in that area works with a symbiotic relationship. And so I, I very much enjoy that. We also do the, obviously, as I mentioned before, Maasai village visits. We also do a lot of kids programs. Um, beating with the Maasai's, making bow and arrows with the Maasai's. Uh, we do some cooking with them. And then just really relaxing around the lodge. The views are magnificent. What are some of the Tassa moments that are mentioned all the time? Right, so the, I, I did mention a few of those before, but every day, so like when you go out, we're not gonna tell you that we're gonna surprise you with a breakfast in the bush. You'll leave in the morning thinking that you're coming back and we'll surprise you with that. We surprise them with a sundowner late in the evening uh, as they're heading out on a night game drive. Um, the um, uh, sundowners on top of our mountain are spectacular because you can look out over the entire Lobo Valley, uh, the walking and bush safaris. And then 
every day we find two or three unique things to surprise our guests with. Um, it's not only about safariing, it is about really experiencing the culture and experiencing um, um, the beauty and the serenity of that area. And speaking of the guides or the rangers, I know that TASA goes well and beyond the requirements for having guide uh, recognized. What extra training do your guides go through before they become a, a guide or a ranger at one of your vehicles? So <clears throat> Malau has been educated um, uh, in several different places. Uh, and he is the head of our guide training. No guide is allowed to um, become a guide until they pass a series of tests. We also are sending them to a school in South Africa for guide training. Um, usually they start out as a tracker. Most of our guides come directly from the Maasai village who have spent their entire life in that area and are great at spotting. So they begin to learn that way. And then we send them through a fairly rigorous three month training program. And then they become an assistant guide. And from there, they slowly work their way up as their A, English gets better or whatever language um, they're learning. And um, obviously all the different techniques that are needed to become a guide. I know he didn't mention it before and I'm sure it's one of the tasks moments, but the hot air ballooning over the Serengeti. And is that done far from the, from the lodge? Or is that a long drive to get there? Um, the air, hot air ballooning can, ballooning can be done in two different locations from Tassa. One is still in the north between Serenera and Lobo from our lodge. And the other thing that we do quite frequently is oftentimes our guests during the crossing season like to go to the Mara River. We spend a full day safaring to the Mara River and oftentimes they do their ballooning right over the Mara so they can try to see the migration as it crosses the river. That'd be an incredible experience to see that. Switching to the second, um, what is different in your experience with the Maasai and the village of Alasakwan? Um, you feature shopping and rewarding experiences like beekeeping and candles to buy, beadwork and handicrafts, which you mentioned before. What guest experience do you think has the most impact on the local community? So the village of Alasakwan is probably one of the most authentic Maasai villages in Tanzania. National Geographic did come and take um, a few days to, photo uh, to photograph the area and the people of Ololosaquan because it is still very, very authentic. What we try to do with that community is to help them as their life is changing dramatically. As you well know, uh, you know, 50 years ago, there was about 4 million people in Tanzania. There's now over 60 million, while this nomadic uh, tribe still tries to use the land to graze their cattle and such, and the land is in fact squeezing in on them. So we do a lot of projects in the village. As you know, we um, are currently doing a big water project. People are unaware of the fact that dirty water and unsafe drinking water is responsible for about 60% of all hospitalizations in Tanzania, and especially among the Maasai. So we have a very large water project going on there. We also help with the local school. And then we also help um, with a beekeeping and honey um, uh, project in there that helps the women of the community. 
And then finally, uh, something that I'm very proud of is that in our shop at Tossum, we only sell product that is made by widows or people that have been abandoned by their husbands in the community. And all of the profits that you will, the, of articles that you buy in our shop go directly back to the women to help educate their children. It's phenomenal. I mean, that's an incredible story and something that's great. And as long as it's take, parlayed onto the guests, I'm sure that they buy a lot of goods from that uh, just to help the cause. And, and it's really wonderful that you're spearheading that. And it goes back to your mission statement of, of empowering members of our local community to do that. Over the pandemic, um, during these interviews, I've heard lots of stories of communities becoming stronger together. Has that happened with the TASA community? Perhaps share a story about that? Yeah, um, obviously this is a trying time for everybody. Um, it's very difficult for a lodge to go one solid year without any guests. And we're very fortunate. In fact, now we have started to receive some, some guests and people are excited about going. But what we did is take it upon ourselves um, for anybody that we could not keep on payroll, we offered them an opportunity to still stay at the lodge and be fed and uh, have a place to stay during this time so that they didn't go back. Oftentimes, many of these people rely on their paycheck month to month just to feed themselves and their families. And we felt very strongly that we could not put them in this situation. They've partnered to us with us through difficult times and um, we felt it important to do that. Obviously, um, the next year is going to be a challenge, but we're really excited about the future. And the great thing is that 100% of our staff are still on board. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And I mean, having open borders now and allowing Americans to travel to Tanzania is a wonderful, wonderful, um, exciting time for us because we're sending people down there now. Uh, so we look forward to sending many, many more people to Tassa. Um, I look forward to coming down there myself and meeting Malawi. He sounds like an incredible person who I just love to, to sit down and talk to and, and find out more about, about his experiences. But I appreciate your time this morning, Jim, uh, with us and look forward to seeing you either uh, down, at the, down at the lodge. Thanks very much. We very much would love to have you and thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Okay, bye.